right? We've got uh, um, all kinds of stuff. Charlie Munger dying. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a shame. In '99, a nice run, but still, when good people die, it's always <laughs> it's always sad. And I think he's a pretty good guy and a uh, pretty bright guy. And uh, that you know, it's a good thing. Um, did you a lot see of, the brains behind Berkshire Hathaway? Eh, I think that they were complimentary. But you know, he didn't have. It's amazing. He, what he he he's croaking with. I, I should have the number here before. I, I'm going to say f- less than five billion, and the other guy's got a hundred. I would never have guessed it was that sort of a uh, split. But he was involved in a bunch of other stuff, so maybe he didn't get involved in the ground floor with the stock. But I don't know that. I just thought they. I mean, I would have guessed that Warren Buffett had more money. I would not have guessed it would have been like a hundred to four, but you know, hundred to five, but. You know, I don't, I don't know that much about it, but I mean, seems like it's enough, but it's not what I would sort of expected. Just saying, you know, whatever. But uh, anyway, the uh, it's you know, it's a shame. Um, but I think he probably, well, there's no, nothing good about somebody good leaving, I guess. But but he had a better run than most. I guess is the only thing you can say. And uh, you know, he'll be missed. I mean, uh, the uh, he was in. A lawyer. He was, you know, he was a philanthropist. He was a uh, fought in World War Two. You know, so I mean, he goes back a ways. I mean, he's he's the great generation, no doubt about that. Uh, and there's not many of those guys left. You know, it's a shame. But uh, you know, whatever. Um, what uh, we were talking, we've been talking all week, Kevin, about. Well, I talk a little bit here about the Fed as I'm watching here. The I'm looking here at the money supply numbers, and we see the markets up again today. I. I think these guys have, have tossed all thoughts of of fighting inflation. I mean, fighting the price level. They're not even thinking about doing that now. They're we're going right back to the uh, you know four or five percent growth in the money supply when the when the uh, economy's growing at one or two percent. We're doing the same crap we've done all the way from 2000. We've to- we've totally inflated everybody's assets, and we're right back into telling. But first of all, like I say, I don't want the market to go down. <laughs> I mean, I don't want my people to lose money. So, and you know, plus I have some stocks. So it's not like it's. But this 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 is just horrible, horrible policy. It's horrible policy. And if Milton Friedman could see it, he'd, he'd be spitting in his grave. He'd show up at the Fed with a gun. Or I don't know, he was never violent. These guys, in this huge fight against inflation, with the massive bloat in the money supply from February of 2020. $15.3 trillion, okay. They topped out at um, 22.05 two years later, which is incredible. I mean, uh, and now since then, with this massive, massive fighting about of inflation, it's down to uh, 2,600. So it's down like 4% after being up 40 and in the last, uh, since May of 2023, it's actually up. So since May, there's been zero inflation fighting, zero. Matter of fact, the money supply is increasing again. So, I uh, two things I don't like the policy, and the other, as you well know, the constant lying to people. Why didn't somebody? Why didn't we think of this? Maybe somebody did. Uh, maybe they did in Nazi Germany or something. But uh, just if you don't like you don't like the stuff, just lie to people. 
Why don't we? Why don't we? Is this is this the policy going forward? We talked yesterday with uh, on Monday with Janet Flanagan. If you don't like the fact that five people got shot outside the United Center after a concert, you just don't tell anybody. Easy peasy. Yeah. Why? Why? Why, why didn't we think of this? Well, we did. We just didn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just uh, just couldn't bring ourselves to doing it. Yeah. Just you, you wrecked the old man's car, which. I just just don't look at the left side of the car. Just always park it so the right right side's facing the house. Yeah, what was the uh, um, on, on Welcome Back, Cotter? It was uh, um, John Travolta's character, Vinnie Barbarino. What? Who? <laughs> yeah, you just, you know you just anyway. We have a lot. We were talking a lot about the bloat in uh, schools. And then you sent the article about Stanford, and we were talking about why, you know, the overhead just in- envelops people. And yeah, it's certainly in the, Stanford's case, uh, more people in non-teaching positions than there are students. I think at U- University of California, it's it's like eight or ten to one. But how does what is the progression of you know? There's something. Well, and they, and they weren't talking about part timers there either. They, no. You know, so uh, you know you run in you you have that uh, uh, that part of the equation as well. You can throw on more part part timers. Um, so when you guys were talking yesterday, um, you know you said, hey, you know we we could probably just go open a school and do a few things. There are some things that you need, um, you know, depending on on what your business model is going to be, um, because if you're going to offer a full degree, then um, you know, you you have some curriculum planning. You have some. Uh, if you if you want to be accredited, then you you know you've got a, a whole effort there. Now, a lot of this stuff is just baked into how schools do business, always have and probably will for the foreseeable future, and that doesn't necessarily make it good or right. But if, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have financial aid, then you need some people who help with financial aid and financial aid consulting because there are always implications to dropping a class or uh, um, you know or uh, eligibility what if you fail your class um, what's the implication there for financial aid how do you do appeals all of that kind of stuff so those are part of part of it as well I mean what my point of bringing that up is that there are a ton of things um, that you would never think you would never consider until someone says, "Oh, what about this?" And then you have to say, "Oh, yeah, we got to address that." Um, I'm going to take the the. I'm going to try and be. Oh, I'm a lot taller than him. He's a little guy. I'm going to try and be the Milton Friedman on this, even though I shouldn't even be using the guy's name compared to mine. But, and I'm going to say, "Not all that." <laughs> Did he, what, what you've. Just describe, Kevin. By the way, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take the other side on all this economically, not not because I want to be argumentative, because I want to expound on the pride. A lot of what you just described is you have to have people there to play with other people in other bureaucracies. I don't want any of that. Yeah, I, I and I understand what you're saying. That's why I said it depends. A, it depends on what your business model is going to be, but it also depends on um, what you. Uh, um, you know what you will and won't accept. So, as an example, do you need in, in a medical practice? Do you need someone who can deal with insurance? Well, yeah, unless you don't want to accept insurance, which is basically the model behind uh, um, direct primary care. 
So all of a sudden that overhead goes away. Uh, so there, there are, uh, you know, there are plenty of ways um, that you can slice into it, and and I think that's, you know, that's a good thing. Well, let's stick with um, uh, education for a bit because that's what, you know, I never ran a medical practice, although I have some kind of a clue about how they do it, but not. But I, I just for uh, bleeps and, and giggles, I attended four schools, okay. Uh, and a couple classes here and there after, but grammar school was basically no overhead whatsoever. <laughs> there was none. But through the other day, there were there were uh, 34 teachers. There was a principal. There was an assistant, two janitors, and a music teacher. So it was it was 34 to five. And if somebody called in sick or was half dead, which you'd have to be to not teach your class, the principal came and taught. That was I mean that's about as low as you can go. Then Marist High School wasn't wasn't much more. Kevin, they had one guidance guy it would help people out to get in college and so forth. He might have had a secretary, the principal, or might have been an assistant and a secretary. It was a dean of discipline. <laughs> uh, there might have your best friend, right? Uh, I usually, I stayed away from him uh, pretty much, but there was a dean. There was another. There was a principal, and then there was a dean of something something whatever. <laughs> Patrick, uh, Brother Sestaro, known as Rock, uh, he was something. So there, so there was a, there were a few guys in the principal's office. So I'm going to say, let's 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 push the number to 15, maybe, maybe. And I'm going to say there were 35, 40 uh, people. You know, you had a couple of coaches, but the coaches also t- the coaches taught class. Generally, yeah. So you know, or, or physical education. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so. And then Notre Dame was was more so. I mean, you had other you had other stuff going on because people lived there. Still, nothing like today. And then University of Chicago was basically. I drove up. I went to class. I left. I got nothing from them. I never. I I think when I showed up, you had to take a physical because they had the hospitals and stuff there. And in those days, you didn't get hospitalization from your parents to twenty six. So, I think technically I was on there. Um, whatever health insurance. I don't know if it was just at, to this day. I don't know if it was just there, or if I had if I went somewhere else, like you know, like tore up an ankle playing ball and went to a little company, whether they would have paid for it. I, I, sus- I think it might have been a Blue Cross payment. I'm not positive. I never once talked to a guidance counselor. I, I don't even know where they were. I never talked to a soul. Just went to class, you know, put in my thing, saying the classes I wanted. I got the thing in the mail. I showed up. For me, there was zero overhead. I played basketball, you know, during the day. Actually. Played ping pong on Tuesday night against all the Oriental guys that kicked my ass, but but there was I used very 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 little of it, minuscule amount, and I and I really to be honest, Kevin, I was working weekends to pay the tuition, and uh, the other stuff, and I I didn't want to pay for the women's fencing team, I didn't want to pay for a football team, I didn't want to pay for any of that. I, I I just I just want I wanted to go there, pay a good you know a good professor where they were terrific. To do the class, I'm sure that you know the other people that live there and stuff. They probably had more of this overhead stuff. Anything, anything on, on your list that you sent, um, it would be nice. Uh, but it's why, why do I care where you get your money? Why, why is that part of if if I don't if I don't auto, you know, auto is different because they'll go get the loans for you because banks don't do it anymore. But food store, they don't they don't care where you get the dough. I mean, if you use a credit card, that's your business. I mean, it's this crossover. I don't. I know in my business, whenever anybody tells me, you know, how about a, 
should I go get an annuity policy or something? My, my answer always is not to degrade an annuity policy, not to degrade a whole life policy, not to degrade any stuff. I said, whenever you lose track of what you're paying for, if you, I mean, if, if part of the policy is life insurance and part of the policy is participation in the market, separate those out. Know what you're paying for each one. Otherwise, how the hell can you compare? I mean, I, I, this whole idea that we we blend all this crap, and, and, and one of the, I remember this, Kevin, because it was University of Chicago, unlike Notre Dame, Notre Dame was smart enough that if you, remember uh, finals week? How they, they, were, they were smart enough that if you had a class on Monday morning, you know, that at 8 o'clock, that final might be Monday at 8, but if you had a class at 9, that final might be Thursday night or something. They, they yeah, split, they spread you out over the week. They spread you out over the week. Well, University of Chicago didn't do any of that. So I, I had one, one uh, quarter I had classes three in a row, and it was two pretty hard ones, and then it was marketing, right? So I'm thinking, there's no way I can, I can deal with all these tests. So I pretty much let the, let the marketing go. <laughs> and I show up, and one of the questions was, you know, describe, to this day I remember, describe the, uh, the wheel of retailing. And I'm sitting there going, boy, I, might, I know I remember this term. So I write this very flowery essay about, I just guessed at what the wheel of re- retailing was. It was when, you know, one firm comes in as a discount place, and they add, 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 and sh- sure enough, the next day or next year, somebody undercuts them, and they go back to be in the discount place. So the guy writes on their brilliant essay, Turns out, <laughs> the one guess I was right. If I'd have been so embarrassed if, if I'd gotten the thing totally wrong and wrote this total BS essay, right? Because I really didn't know what it was. But to this day, I've remembered. There is there is no wheel of retailing in universities, in, in governments, and so that's the problem. They they never can get undercut. I mean, if Stanford, like you 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 know, eloquently sent out, has all these people, and they're charging X, if it was. If you didn't have this accreditation, if you didn't have this alumni, I got to get somebody from Stanford. He's, he's way better in the law school than this other place. If you didn't have any of that crap, somebody would would start out tomorrow and say, "Guess what? Here's law school. Instead of eighty grand, it's forty. Our people are just as good. What are you doing going over there? Just 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 like a retail store. Yet somehow we've got this thing so discombobulated that it's a big mess, and it's an overpriced, bloated mess, and people can't afford it. it and it doesn't seem to be any way of cutting through it at all, does there? Well, there, there doesn't, and, it, and I'm going to go back to the financial aid example just for a second because um, I, I, want to, I want to talk about where your line is. Do people go to school with financial aid and does it require a certain amount of expertise to be able to navigate that well? Yeah. Do you want a financial aid group, uh, team, a whole team of people, who are pushing financial aid onto people who may or may not need it? Um, because remember, you know, all financial aid is really doing in in the world is it's driving up the cost right. of, of uh, education. It, it you know, it's 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 another way, uh, another equivalent of pumping dollars into the economy. Um, so you you have to be careful there. On the other hand. There are students who can, who you know, who would not go to college otherwise without it, and if that's you know if that's what they need to do, then you probably want to provide some support for them um, and make sure that they are able to navigate it well. It's a way of looking out for your people. So you know, I, I think there's there's a balance for all of this, and part of the problem that you see in a lot of schools is that it's just completely run amok. Well, part of the reason, again, I'm gonna. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be I happen to agree with you. It's hard to separate those, but if you look at it from a, from a strictly economic there should there should be a business for somebody that ought to be competitive that helps people get financial financial aid. If all I care about is giving you the least priced MBA, undergrad economics, undergrad physics, undergrad that's none of my business. I mean, if, if I can get you a price of 40 when everybody else is paying 80, first of all, you're not going to need as much of it, okay? We, and, and, and secondly, why isn't, why isn't that Andrew's job? Why doesn't Andrew run a uh, financial help service for, for college people that knows where every single grant and aid is and whatever and, uh, and, and, and does that? The idea of a, of a college, you know, you showing up and them saying, and you say, how much is the tuition? And they go, how much you got, basically. If you can afford 70, it's 70. If you can't, it's 50. If we really want you, it's 20. That, that is so, that's such economically screwed up, Kevin. I, I can't even go there. I mean, well, it's like going to a food store. How much is a hamburger? How much you got? I mean, people would be appalled at that. Because it is, it is a commodity, right? Yeah. So, and so I'm, I'm not arguing the point on you. I'm just telling you what's, what's there that in, to some degree it adds value and to some degree... Uh, it is just creating bloat, and you know, it, I mean, you, you get some of the the same kinds of considerations to saying, well, what do you, you know, uh, you know, what do you want to make available to students on your campus um, to, you know, thing things to do. Well, if they're going to live there, then they need things to do. If that's, well, that's a whole different public, business. Yeah, if they're going to live there, it's a different business. Computer school. Yeah. Um, then uh, you, you know. You know, you, you, what you what you find, and what what I find a lot, is that the uh, the less uh, the less we have ask people to come back to campus, the better off we are because it's just one more trip, and and you don't want that. So, uh, you know, where where I'm going with it is is not to say uh, that you're wrong or that all of the bloat is needed. It is not, um, but. I also think, as you think through the model, it's not well easy peasy. Let's just throw the, uh, you know, we'll just have classes. We'll put up a schedule. I mean, people, you know, how do you, how do you do scheduling? Is it all lockstep, or is it, uh, um, is there something else that we're going to do? And what are you going to do if somebody gets knocked off of, uh, off of schedule? And so there's a certain amount of advising that you can do with faculty, or you can do with uh, advising people. Um, so. You know, I, I think we were oversimplifying. And, well, I mean, I University of Chicago that. was, you had to get to, we got to go to break here, Kevin. University of Chicago was, you had to make it to 20 classes, then you graduated. We hope if you're in business school, you can count the friggin' 20. And, and, and by the way, if, if if you don't place out of anything, I, I place out of the economics stuff, even though it just means I took different economics classes, if, it, if, if it's got to be 12 of the core curriculum business and the other rates anywhere. By grad school, you ought to be able to negotiate that, that on your own, for God's sake. You ought to be able to count yeah, to 20. You're, you're talking about grad school, and I'm not. Okay, but I'm, well, but some of these schools are, we're, we're talking massive grad schools, the law schools, and those kinds of things. Hey, when you get to 20, you're out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure there was somebody around that if I went to somebody, there, were, there was somebody there. I, I mean, should, should there be some advisor someplace? Yeah. Does he need a staff of 30? Mm. You know, I mean, because once... Is is the term they used to use on the trading floor? Once the camel gets his nose under the tent, 
Uh, and, and you you sent the thing in the, the the Stanford article. Every every person has fifteen people working for them. What do they do all day? I mean, what if those those students show up and have and have problems? <laughs> They're still there, right? Yep. SP SP futures up nineteen. NASDAQ futures up eighty eight. I think we're probably good till the end of the year and way up here. I just question. So one day this is going to come home to roost, but I guess it's not today. We'll be back in a minute. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Andrew on the board. 
Big, well, big news this morning. Two big news. One is Charlie Munger died, which is um, sad to see. I like I like the dude. Uh, the other is that General Motors has uh, decided they're going to they're re- reintroduce uh, stock buybacks. So the stock's up nine percent. Uh, stock buybacks that not too long ago were illegal. Now that's how everybody in the management class, uh, instead of paying dividends to schmucks like us, they're going to they just buy the stock back, and uh, so they they try to run it up and they cash in on their their stock options, and they're happy, and uh, and boy, I tell you what, I think that sucks, but that that's just me. Um, very opinionated here this morning, Kevin. I don't quite know why, but uh, whatever. Anyway, Dow futures up 112, and individual stocks of the Dow, Boeing up 133, Caterpillar up a buck and a half, Home Depot up one. I see very little red. The only red is in uh, United Healthcare down a buck. Everything else pretty much up. Uh, over in Europe, we have the. Uh, Dax up 161. It's a full 1%. FTSE up 39 cents. Uh, boy, that's flat. Cac around up 35.5%. So it looks like the uh, uh, Dax is the one that's, that's moving because their autos are up, and obviously most of the autos are in Germany or in Asia. We got the Nikkei down 87 points at 0.2%. Hang Seng down 360. These guys, this is unreal. It's 2%. They're down under 17,000 again. 16,993. This is just an amazingly wild ride between 17 and 1800. We'll see if they bounce off this. Maybe they won't this time. Shanghai down 16, but at 3,021, they're in danger of going under 3,000. So uh, China is at the one-month low. It's very bizarre. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 83, S&P up 4, Nasdaq up 40. Slow day, just leaked up a little bit on the close. Uh, bonds down 5 basis points, 4.29. We're going right back to getting these rates down again, pump up asset prices. That's what we do. Uh, Bun minus f- uh, five basis points, 2.44. Japan down eight basis points, 0.67. So whatever is happening is happening. It's choreographed with their other central banks. Um, oil up a buck 39, a little bit of a bounce, up 77.80. Brent up a buck 30, 82.98. Natural gas down three cents, 2.80. Our Bob is up two cents, 2.25. We've got gold. We had a huge rally yesterday. It's uh, only up a buck today, but 2,041. A silver up five cents, twenty four ninety eight. Copper unchanged, three eighty. Question is, is copper going to join this rally of the other two? So far, it hasn't. I got some people in copper, and it's trailing a little bit. Uh, crypto, we've got the Bitcoin up uh, forty seven bucks, thirty eight thousand two seventy one. The dollar is uh, up just a little bit, a uh, very little bit. With the euro at one oh nine eight, that's kind of a recent high lately. And uh, the British pound's only down three basis points, so it's still one twenty six nine. And we got for us, Trevi Weather Sports. All right, it is 641 here in Chicago on November 28th. Starting off with just a little bit of sports, some hockey here. The Blackhawks won over the Krakens, it's 4-3. And the Coyotes won over the Lightning, 3-1. Over to Chicago weather, it is currently 25 degrees right now. That's going to raise up to about uh, 41 at about 1 p.m. We've got clear skies, and it looks like that's going to stick throughout the day. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 55 degrees. They have clear skies. They're going to have a high of 71, and that's going to hit around 3 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, looks like no major accidents to report, thankfully. There is a bit of some slowdowns in the inbound expressways, especially if you're coming in uh, from the north through the Kennedy, or if you're coming in through the, um, excuse me, the Stevenson near Central Avenue. Uh, but other than that, looks like it's uh, not too bad of a day today. So that's all I got. Better than yesterday. That's sure. That's for sure. I think Kevin, the uh, the, the the thing that we're, we're dancing on the head of a pin here, you know, two fat guys dancing on the head of a pin uh, about the whole mess is that we're 
when you walk off into this education slash government slash other stuff, it's not like the few pieces of the economy that are still competitive. I mean, I think we all know that how does, for instance, you know, I buy my wine at the Vin, he's been wine discount center. They have a couple of racks. It's basically the boxes stacked up on the floor. There is minimal overhead, okay? And, it, and they're cheaper than everybody else, pretty much. I mean, I don't shop every other store. Then you go to some place, it's a little nicer. It's gorgeous. Everything's up on this. And by the way, you might have tastings. You might have all kinds of people running around helping you. You might have all this stuff. And it creeps up, creeps up, creeps up. And maybe they've got a manager. Maybe they've got, you know, eight people they send to Europe. God knows what. But someday, somewhere, they're going to have the, uh, the, uh, um, somebody's going to say, uh, well, someday is going to say, it's nicer, but it ain't worth three bucks a bottle. And they're going to go back to a new place that's where the crap's sitting on the floor in a box. And retail, there's a discipline to that because people can enter the system usually. And somebody's going to say, I'll pay a buck more a bottle for the ambiance, but I'm not going to pay three. You know what I'm saying? And, and the problem is with, with, with Stanford, there's, there's no such driver like that. There's, there's nothing that says, okay, if the education's really going to cost 40 and we're going to make this place really damn nice and be nice things to people, and if somebody has a problem, we're going to be able to help them out, and we're going to charge 42 I think anybody's going to go with that, you know, type of thing. Um, the, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just picking a number. Maybe it's 45. But I'm thinking it's, it's not 70. Where there's loads and loads of people just waiting to allegedly help me out. But really, they're making a job for themselves. I mean, it, it, it is, and I, I'm not smart enough to say when, but in, in the competitive areas of this economy, the people say when, okay? But in the education, especially if it's a, if it's a state school, who, who's there to say when? I think you guys are, are, are competitive enough in your area to where you can recognize when you're over the top. I don't think Cal has any clue. You just get somebody else a job for more money than they deserve. My, okay. where my... and, and, uh, and that's why I said it. I, I think it's, you know, you, you, you start saying what what are essential services it's almost like a the, the old zero based bu- uh, budgeting exercise yeah you know uh, what what do you need uh, what adds value to the students and it, you know it, it's really kind of a simple business proposition um, yeah if, if, if we do anything um, you know I, I, I think it, where I am we we if we do anything, it's it's we we underspend in some areas where we could provide better services, um, and you know, I, 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 and there there are also things you know that are important in education. I mentioned uh, wraparound services. Wraparound services is a lot of things, but it's basically any service that you have uh, to help s- students with the things that get in the way of being a successful student. Now, what does that mean? Um, it can range from anything from uh, uh, support for people with learning disabilities, um, and, uh, and and how you you know how you deal with that, to um, uh, people who uh, uh, you know can't afford a meal, <laughs> and, yeah, 
and uh, um, and so you you know you don't want your students to go hungry, uh, and it could be people who you know they'll they'll deal with things like uh, uh, criminal record expungements and things like that where they'll help you with that and get you get you appointed. So I, I think there you know there are a lot of valuable types of things that we do, and then there are uh, things that especially as we look at some of these where I say what what value added is there, and how much are people willing to pay for it. And this, and this takes us back to financial aid, where we say, well, if financial aid will cover it, why do we care? Because you're driving up the cost of education. Well, they don't care about that. They're just driving up their salaries. Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I, mean I, I look at every, everything you're describing is something I think that, that needs to be done. Okay? I just don't like the idea that the universities do it. I don't, I don't want a university involved in I know this is blasphemy because it's been like this forever. I don't want the university doing the financial aid. Why? Why, why? why can't Kevin and Chief open up a college financial aid business where a guy like Andrew shows up and says, I don't know what nationality is, uh, Alan, you're Lithuanian, you're African American, you're Irish. By the way, here's, here's a grant and aid that somebody gave to you know, uh, Slippery Rock College for Polish kids or African American kids, and by the way, nobody's used it in three years. I can get you financial aid at Slippery Rock. Why does it have to be finding? You know, I mean, or or, or if you absolutely, no, it, it, I worry less about the finding because that 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 could be done exactly as you talk about it. I, 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 people get themselves in trouble when they're using financial aid, and then they get involved in things like uh, um, you know dropping classes or or poor performance or anything like that then they wind up on the hook for a lot of money that they and, and they don't have anything to show for it and that's where I think you know you provide some value by advising students properly about what they should or should I, not. I, I think a lot of students need advice I'm just not I'm not hung up in the in the the all one size fits all that Illinois does all this for you or Notre Dame does all this for you because it sounds to me like a like a conglomerate or a or a securities firm that just happens to do everything for you. You don't even know what you're paying for what. I, I, I'm just saying. I, Notre Dame's job, big as it is, is to provide an education at a at a pretty good price or as good as they can. You know, I don't forty grand because they helped me get the forty. It shouldn't make it seventy. The, you know, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't like stuff being combined. Yeah, no argument there. And I don't know how you break away with. All I know is we have an awful lot of schools that people can't afford. Well, and. and and the thing is, and, and the trap I don't want to get into in advocating for any of this. And so, you know, my my sole point in bringing it up is just to say there's a little more to it than you know. It's it's like you know, in a basketball, you don't just say hire, hire a ref, hire a couple of coaches, roll the ball out there yeah. and go. You know, there's more infrastructure that is involved, and and I think it's important to acknowledge that. Now, does that mean we shouldn't be challenging the the status quo? Uh, at every turn, yeah, I think we should, because a lot of what we're doing is we're doing it because we've always done it that way. Um, you only, know, I mean, only it's only it's grown and spun out of control. But I don't. I mean, I this is not. I don't. First of all, I don't feel this way. But you know, I, I go to uh, I go to Notre Dame, you know, or someplace, and I say, this is just great. I don't want to pay the sports information director of the friggin' lacrosse team. Out of, out of my tuition, now you can say it comes from football or some other BS, but the fact is, 
somebody's paying for it. First of all, I don't even like lacrosse. It's for, it's for a bunch of Eastern, Eastern guys that don't know how to play football. Whatever. Whatever your attitude might have been 30 years ago, I happen to think lacrosse is a pretty nice game. But I don't want to, why is that part of my tuition? I don't play lacrosse. I don't care. Get a club team. Get your own doll. No problem with that way of thinking. I, I'm just, I, I know it's it, it's grumpy and it's whatever, but this all this stuff is, I mean, I, clearly these schools have to start, well, they won't, on the West Coast. Who's who's paying to send the, the, the women's or men's volleyball team to Rutgers on, on an airplane to play a volleyball? I mean, who gives a crap? Just, just saying. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you, Tom. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I see stuff where people can't afford it, and I have a couple of people that I, I really like that live upstairs from me, and they have, the boat of them, as they say in the South Side, they have, each have 100000 bucks in student loan debt, and I don't see them as being executives. Well, they both have pretty good jobs, but what ends up happening is every time you try and pay that down to where you're living hand-to-mouth because you're paying it down, every time something else happens, all of a sudden you got a credit card bill. You know, somebody has an emergency room visit, somebody, whatever it is, uh, you're, you, you, got a, you got a transmission goes out on your car, and all of a sudden it's, you know, three grand or something. Well, you don't have three grand because you're pumping everything into it. It's not, it, 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 it starts to aid and abet other debt, and all of a sudden, the other debt's twenty five percent, and what you know, it's just it, it starts to you can't have people living paycheck to paycheck for twenty five years, hoping nothing or twenty years, hoping nothing bad happens. Because guess what, something bad's going to happen, unless you're really lucky. It's you know, I don't I don't know where they went or and whether their education was there or how much they've paid off, but the fact that they they're in their mid-30s, and they still have 100 grand apiece, Kevin, for God's sake. I, I, I don't think they went to Harvard. I don't, I don't even ask, but I'm just like, when I heard this, I'm just appalled. I, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me right now that all the Christmas numbers, even though the numbers from uh, online shopping last weekend, that the economy is, is slipping lower here, and, it, it, and part of it has to be people having to pay these student loan debts starting in October. I don't know how much. I can't quantify because the Fed's not going to give me the numbers, but so their response is, let's loosen up the money again, make the market go up, make everybody think everybody looks good. Everything looks good. I mean, Kevin, are, are we really this stupid as a population? The answer might be yes. Uh, no, I don't think bite is the right word for it. But then again, what, what can you do about it? I mean, you know, <laughs> That's a whole show. <laughs> you know? I mean, the answer is nothing. I mean, uh you know the, the 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 democracy, whatever we think the democracy is. I mean, suppose you get somebody you really like as a senator and really understands the stuff that we talk about on the show, or a representative. We put them in there. It's like one more fish in the ocean, right? What's what's the guy going to do or the lady going to do? Nothing. It seems like both sides are controlled by God knows who. They're really not. The the freshman people you send to Congress don't. Is any of these people? I. Uh, the last two or three elections for the House, I've watched, uh, what's her name, Margaret Brennan or something. She's had three or four from each side of the aisle on after the elections of the younger people that got elected. Or, let's say first-time people, they don't have to be younger. And I was amazingly impressed with all of them. Kevin, I haven't seen them since her show. Are they still even there? Do they even run for a second term? I mean, 
I haven't seen them making any kind of policy. Are they just sitting at the end of the bench, going to the health club and, and drinking at night, or what do they do? Well, some of them put their heads down and work hard and start to gain some influence. Um, some of them uh, get disgusted and leave. But the policy doesn't seem to be coming from the bottom at all. Even this new guy they put in the oh, Speaker of the House. No, no, no. It, it definitely doesn't. Sorry, ideas aren't, aren't necessarily welcome. No, I mean, this, this the kid who, uh, kid, the guy who just became the new, this, this whole thing with McCarthy, even though like I, the people that know more about him say he's not, not a trustworthy guy and he deserved to be out and so forth. So the new guy comes in and did the exact same thing McCarthy did, and now he's in and he's okay. I, what am I missing here? They did. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure he had much choice this time around. So, but you know, before before I totally skewer him for that. Well, but I'm saying it. It, it right back to we're going to spend whatever we want, okay, on the Democratic side, and we're not going to raise any kind of taxes, and we don't care if any any corporations ever pay their taxes on the Republican side. I mean, the, the 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 view never changes, does it? Uh, <laughs> It definitely doesn't change if, unless you're the lead dog. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, I, and I can't even figure out who that is. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's Trump. I don't think it's Biden. I don't, but I can't imagine. I don't even know who the lead dog is. It, it must be. It must be the people that are on the plane, wherever they go see, you know, head of head of state. It must be. It must be the uh, the Gateses and those kinds of people at, at that level that are that are the lead dogs. It has to be somebody. I don't think it's the Cabots and the Lodges like when we were kids. What they say, the Cabots talked only to the Lodges and the Lodges talked only to God or something like that? Not only people and listeners even know who those, those people were. They were, they were the uh, movers and shakers before the Cheney-Rumsfeld neocon group, right? Was that a fair statement? They were, they were Nixon's era. We should yeah, get, we should that, Wayne. that's what I was going to say. It would have been, been the Nixon era, um, even Kennedy era even. Yeah, hey, uh, speaking of which, we only got a few minutes. I, uh, this, the, the rest of the world um, probably hasn't even, doesn't even recognize it, but uh, this, this guy who was part of the 1963 Secret Service team when Kennedy got shot, this revelation of he's the one who put the bullet on the gurney because he found it in the car. If if you're if you're part of this uh, core digest thing, which I just get all day long, and they're all over this assassination again. They're up to the point where there's, they, they think there's four four shooters, not two, um, and they have it all described with this bullet. Because the 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 fact that this extra bullet was found now, and somebody admits that yeah, it was there, it was in the car, and I put it on the gurney. And this guy, you know, I don't know if the guy just croaked or he's still alive, but older or whatever. But it's got to be older, and. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm just stunned. Every president who's run in the last five has said they're going to open up the last, you know, retained documents from the Kennedy assassination. I'm including Trump. Every single one of them looks at him and says no. What in God's name is in there, Kevin? Mm. Somebody's name. I wonder whose it is. Yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because every single guy... This guy said that we're gonna because they were supposed to because Trump pushed it off a certain number of years or somebody did and Biden said he's gonna open it up and he took one look at him and he said no another ten years or five years or something 
So my question is, you know, well, we could, I mean, we could speculate all day as to who that guy could be. Um, but the question is, what would be the consequences of exposing it? Um, Dead man? What's what's the consequences of, of, of not exposing it? The biggest crime pretty much ever committed here, and we still can't, we can't, we're protecting the right people. What does it say about the rest of the justice system? Oh, do we need do we need yeah. a, a referendum on the justice system? Yeah, I mean it's uh, you, you got to wonder. I mean, who who gets to decide who gets to lie to people? Who gets to who gets to decide? Well, guess what? We have inflation. We're just going to tell people we don't. I mean, that's that's so far. I mean, I I don't think our parents' generation went that far. I don't I don't think they if if we we invaded Iwo Jima and we lost you know. 5,000 Marines, I don't think they told us they lost 500. I I don't know that for sure, but there was a certain amount of truth in government. Maybe because there were people fought wars, or maybe because people were in it together, or what. But I don't, I don't think that but that Jerry Ford, or Nixon, or Jimmy Carter, or any of those people, Ronald Reagan, essentially said, we don't, we don't want no stinking inflation. Tell people it's 6%, not 12. I, it may have happened, I know there was a lag to it because I was involved in it. It always seemed like there was a lag to it, and, and uh, but the, the lag I think is just the bureaucracy. I I thought, who who's, who says here's the number, cut it in half. I mean, how do you, I how do you get to that point in, in, a, in a democratic society? There has to be somebody to say we can't do that, you idiots. But I don't think there. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old and grumpy this week or what. But anyway. Well, you've been old and grumpy a long time. It doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with this discussion. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I, I listen to this Jay Paul, and I, I feel like I'm listening to, a, I don't know, some kind of a garden weasel or something. The guy will say whatever he has to say. and bears no resemblance to what he's doing. I mean, we, we, I don't know. But uh, who do you, uh, what's the story with the playoffs this weekend? We'll talk more about it on Friday, but we've got Georgia, we've got Michigan, we've got uh, Florida State snuck back in, right? Uh, for the time being, yeah. And then uh, who's uh, who's third? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I, I don't because it doesn't matter until this time next week, anyway. Well, Washington's in. We're in the I mean, we, What we have is um, essentially is next weekend is the closest thing to what January first used to be, where a lot of teams are playing each other. And a lot of dominoes will fall based on, you know, the outcome of each game is going to set up the next game for its own outcome. And it's it makes for a fun day of, of uh, sports watching. Uh, right, and that was the way New Year's Day used to be when, uh, you know, when they play these bowl games and, you know, you would just go from one to the next uh, saying, okay, now that they lost, who who's in? Who, who looks good? Um, you know, it's kind of cool. Well, we've got... Um, Michigan's playing Iowa. They're like they're like what? They're like twenty eight point favorites or something, some huge number. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, is Washington playing Oregon? Uh, yes. Right. So we got a twelve and zero and eleven and one game. So that could switch. Florida we State. Te- we got Texas and Oklahoma State playing. Um, but they have it. Georgia's playing Alabama. Yeah, I believe so. All right. So that's a real game. Yeah. Uh, and they're, I mean, Texas is, is in it too. So, you know, Texas you, you is have, well. They've got all the way down. There's for those that don't know, we've got four teams that are twelve and zero. 
Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. And then we've got Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama that are all have one loss. So I think if Alabama beats Georgia, I don't know that they jump Ohio State and Texas and Oregon. Do you? Or maybe they do. They seem they to have every referee they, in their they pocket. Do. I think I think the winner of the SEC championship game is going to be in the playoffs. And the other one is not. And the other one might or might not be. Okay, so if Alabama beats Georgia and Washington and Florida State win and Michigan, does one of those teams get dropped, Florida State or Washington? Florida State, everyone wants to drop them because the quarterback got hurt, right? Yep. Have, have you ever seen that happen? Uh, only in the Big Ten um, years ago when uh, it, it was it was a pretense for uh, uh, knocking Michigan out of the uh, uh, Rose Bowl in, in, back in the day. And what happened was Michigan and Ohio State, I think they played to a tie um, and, uh, and, and wound up tied and... Uh, and so they, they wound up having to do a vote in the Big Ten as to which team would go. And Michigan probably was the team that was more deserving of going, but uh, Northwestern actually organized a group to vote against them because Michigan torpedoed the Bears playing in Dyke Stadium back when the Bears had to leave Wrigley Field. Um, and because Michigan torpedoed that, uh, it was retribution time for uh, Northwestern. So they organized a bunch of people to vote against Michigan and put Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Good. And, but the pretense for it was, well, your quarterback got hurt, so uh, you know, we, we, can't, we can't send you out to the Rose Bowl. So, well, anyway, it should be, it should, you say it should be interesting. Uh, Michigan's probably got the, the most lame game, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, Iowa has a good defense. I don't know if they can slow them down, but I don't know if Iowa can score more than a touchdown in a game. Well, they're ranked, they're ranked 18th, so anyway. All right, Kevin, we'll talk at you Friday, bud. SB Features up 22, and SB Features 99. Be right back. The professor, Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Well, North Jackson. Tom, we enter on the board. SP futures up 23. NASDAQ futures up 105. Do we have the professor? We've got the professor, and the professor wants to talk about college football for 10 seconds, and then I'll let you take back over. Um, am I grumpy okay. enough? Am I grumpy enough today? Why am I grumpy? I know. I just I want to talk. I, I have something. I, I have something I want to say about college football. Go ahead. Fire up. All right. So I I went to Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, you, know, they, you guys mentioned, you, you said that uh, Michigan-Iowa game, I, I think Texas is going to absolutely obliterate o- Oklahoma State. I, I am I am not blocking out the full Big 12 championship as, as part of my viewing this weekend. I'll probably watch the first quarter, and if it goes the way I think it's going to go, I'll go back to doing something else. But in order to get in <clears> – <throat> Oklahoma State had to win their last game of the season, and you know, and and Brigham Young is a wonderful institution, but just something not right about watching Oklahoma State have to beat Brigham Young to get into the Big Twelve championship. Um, you know what I mean? Well, what do you think about like, Rutgers? If no, Rutgers got to play like, Southern Cal or something. And that's where I'm going. That, yeah. that's, a, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is I'm like, Oklahoma State should be playing Baylor or Texas Tech or Texas Christian or, you know, it, one of the great things about the Big Twelve before ESPN and SEC came along and messed it up and grabbed Texas and Oklahoma was there were ten teams in the conference and everybody played everybody every year. Um, you know. They, they, there weren't, you know, there were rivals, but you play. They, they all played nine games. They all played everybody every right. year when there were ten teams in the Big, Big Twelve. We don't want any, any kind of logic like that anymore, Russell. We want nothing like that. I don't know, but, but here's the thing: is I, I, my, I, I work on the weekends. I, I have consulting stuff to take care of stuff. I put in full days on Sundays. In the fall, typically I would work from about 7 to 11, and then I would watch college football all day. I, I've been watching less and less and less 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I watched Oklahoma State game because I, you know, because I went there. But m- my interest this weekend is absolutely zero. Well, the, uh... I, I've, I've just over the past couple of years with all the crap that's happened, um, I, I, it, it just, I just don't, it's just not really interesting to me anymore. They, they basically ruined it. How's that? Well, those guys were not in the Big 12. They were in the old Southwest Conference. Remember those guys? Oh, yeah. No, you know, there were when the uh, Big 8 and the Southwest Conference merged and all that kind of But, you know, it, it, it was at least regional rivals. Right. And, and there's another thing. Similar schools. Right. Young and Oklahoma State, good God, our mascot fires guns. Bring them young, kicks you out of school if you have sex before marriage. Well, here's just as, as, as a way, as a way of there's, re- a, there's a contrast to school. <laughs> as, a, as a way of review, we'll, we'll go back a little bit here since the professor brought it up. The Southwest Conference had eight members. They were founded in, eight, in 1814, but they uh, they had the uh, University of Arkansas, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Arcan- it was, well, no, the uh, Southwest Conference was the southern part what is now the Big 12. And the Southwest No, they, they were they were was, they were sep- they no, were separate. No, 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 no. no try, I, I grew up in that part of the country. Yes. You can't fight with me on this. Um, the Southwest Conference was Arkansas and seven Texas schools. Big 8 was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Nebraska. I got a kid in the corner over there just just like made some hand signal when I said Oklahoma because that's where my daughter's going. But um, the Big Eight and the Big Eight and the Southwest Conference dumped a few schools and merged what became became the Big Twelve, and then Arkansas and um, Arkansas and Missouri defected to the SEC. So your and it was the or your school. Yeah. What did they? What were they originally? Oklahoma State was Big Eight. Uh, Oklahoma, they were one of the original members of the Southwest Conference. They were Oklahoma Agriculture and Mining, now the Oklahoma State. Are you looking something up and telling me out? <laughs> and then William Marsh Rice, whoever the hell he was, Institute is now Rice University. Uh-huh. And the, the Big the big A Conference, I remember, was Nebraska, Iowa State, those kind of Kansas, Missouri. Uh, I, Iowa was in there originally, I guess, but then they went to the Big Ten. I think Iowa mm-hmm. State, uh, and there was a Washington University in St. Louis. But I remember Texas always was Texas, Texas A&M, because they, they played the winner of that conference, always played in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. So the Irish played. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. two, the two bowl games, the Irish had not played a bowl game since the Rose Bowl in the 20s. They just they didn't go to bowl games. So all of a sudden one year they said, okay, we'll go to bowl games. And the idea was we'll use the money for minority scholarships. So that was the... The reason why they went, and they played uh, Texas mm-hmm. the first year with Joe Theismann. The first year they they lost barely. Okay. Then yeah. the next year I went down uh, in my my freshman year it was Joe Joe Theismann's senior year, and they whipped up on Texas pretty good. We drove down there for imagine imagine driving down there as a freshman in your dad's car. <laughs> we had like five of us. Oh goodness gracious! No, it, well everybody took turn driving. So get a load hey, of this. Um, we we pounded the hold old. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, the, so he, the state left the Southwest Conference in 1924. Then they went to the Big Eight, right? 
well, they did a bunch of other crap, and then they ended up in the Big Eight in 1960. Yeah, the Big Eight was what Nebraska, <laughs> Iowa State, and uh, those. It was Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, and Kansas State. Because Oklahoma still played so, Texas every year, but they, they yeah. when they weren't in the same conference, didn't they open the year and they played in Dallas? That was a huge game. What was that game called? They play they play at the Texas State Fair. Um, I've I've been to that. That's where that's where that's where the old Cotton Bowl was. Was a Texas State Fair. Yeah, they play in the and in fact, um, you know, we did the, we did the tour of Oklahoma, and it was before it was the it was the week before the Texas Oklahoma game, the Red River rivalry, and we found out that the ROTCs from both schools uh, physically carry a football from each school to Dallas. They they God. run over the course of a week. And then they meet and they do a bunch of ROTC competitions between the two schools at the state fair before the game. Wow. Now, see, that's cool. That's college football right oh, yeah. there. Oklahoma State playing Brigham Young. Uh, and, if, if, you know, I, and I'm sure 20 years from now, uh, you know, if, if I make the same comment and, and my daughter who's going to go to Oklahoma says, oh, but, you know, Dad, that's just the, the way it is now. You know, I it, it one of the great things, one of the cool things about college football was everything was regional. Um, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like when um, let's say the Lions come to play the the Bears, and you know, ninety percent of the the crowd is Bears fans. Um, you would have you know, Memphis would have games against Ole Miss in the in Memphis, and the stadium would be half and half. Um, you know, Memphis plays Temple in a conference game now, and I don't think a whole lot of Temple fans come down from Philadelphia for the Memphis Temple game. Uh, no, no. Yeah. yeah what about so? Uh, I, I don't want to. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to hijack and go off about my. Well, the my, thing is, it does. Well, they're I'll, just they're ruining it, and they don't realize they're ruining it. I'm going to ask and, you the old guy. Attendance attendance has been trending lower for 20 years. Uh, down 10 to 15 percent across the whole sport. All right, though. Now, so we're, we're you know, talking. There are ten schools that sell out all the time, but attendance is down. They're in, and honestly, I think I, I think ESPN d- decided to wreck the conferences, so they only have to negotiate with four big conferences instead of five big conferences now. Don't don't underestimate how much the conferences want to grow up and be the only four conferences as well. Imagine the money being paid to those oh, people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the and that's the last thing is. You know they they talk about uh, you know the the media contract is a hundred billion you know it's a hundred billion a year to uh, to Indiana. Um, dude, we've got multiple we've got multiple research projects that bring in more revenue than that a year. Um, you just you it's just, really you just tripped for, me over to some, my my little piece of research I did about eight weeks ago, and if you talk to the uh, the, the sports of the world, which, you know, a lot of them are on the show and the people I hang with, they love sports. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's part of the gig. I love sports. The Everybody, when I said, you know, why, why are these people leaving the, the Pac-10 to, to go have to, have to play a volleyball game against Rutgers, for God's sake? I mean, uh, and they, you know, it's the TV money. you got to do it. God, it's all the money. So unbeknownst to the rest of my people I hang with, next day I go and I say, well, let's pick a school. I didn't pick Southern Cal. I picked UCLA because maybe I was looking for a big number. So 
let, let's say the TV contract in the Big Ten is worth $20 million more than it is for the Pac-10. Let's say, I don't know if that's the number, but it's probably like that or 10 or something. Oh, no, it's it's like a double. Okay, but so let's say it's a double, but it's 20 yeah, million bucks. It, it's a, yeah. 30 million bucks. You know, you know what the budget of UCLA is? Oh, it's in the billions. $11 billion. Yeah. You and, yeah. I, you and I couldn't even get a, a, a board of directors agenda for $11 million bucks. Let alone, plus, is, is there somebody like I used to be when I was young, there were a few other guys at Pullman that were probably better at it than me. Does anybody, do you think any of these, I won't say bleeps on the board, even though I just did, say, before we even entertain this, do we have somebody here who's capable, without anybody of give, telling him what the answer ought to be before he does the study, do you have anybody here that can take two weeks and try and figure out all the scheduling, all the travel, all the other stuff that all these other teams now have to do, and let me know what the net is on this. Do you think anybody's anybody's looked at that number? I can't even. I, I, I oh, wouldn't be a bit surprised it came out as I a know, net loser. I, I know. I know. You, I know. UCLA did because uh, there was a lot of back and forth before there. You know, they they announced they were going, and then um, it took a few weeks until they got the official rubber stamp from the board. And one of the big arguments was uh, what you just brought up, and then um, you know, and then I love the uh, I love the whole and the mental health of the students that are going to have to travel a bit more. I will. I will. Yeah, I, I've heard that one, which I you know I I, I don't I, I guess I'm my own kind of crazy, but I travel an awful lot, and I think I'm okay. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know. I'm gonna say that that study would be oh. would be sort of difficult because comparing okay. it to the current Pac-10, I think you come out a loser. Compare that's just my thought going in. Wouldn't mean I, I wouldn't. well, that, no, it, it dollar dollar wise, yeah, you do. But comparing it, it to it, a it, a Pac-10 where Southern Cal, Washington, and everybody else is already gone, and you don't go, then that's that's exactly. a totally separate sub, su, uh, su, uh, study, I'd say. Yeah, I mean they're going to come out with two different um, conclusions. Yeah, right. talk to talk to Oregon State and Washington State about that because those are the two schools that that are left. They don't have a conference. I thought they uh, they landed with somebody. No, they are the Pac two. They haven't landed anywhere. I I thought they ended up in the ACC or something. No, you're thinking of Washington and Oregon. I'm talking about Washington. Washington Oregon State are in the Big Ten, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about. I think those other guys. No, went. they have no home. Um, Stanford and Cal went to the ACC. Um, okay, and, Stanford um, and Cal. Stanford and Cal went to the ACC along with Southern Methodist. Uh, they're, they're, it looks like they're, they're going to go in their Mountain West. Probably that that that's it, it, it's probably well they they're going to have a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West while they try to figure out what the hell to do. They're, this they're, is crazy. So they, yeah, no, it just in in you know, cut. I went to Oklahoma State. I went to Memphis, which is one of the schools that's never going to get into a Power Five conference. Um, you know, they're always going to be right there on the cusp. And I, you know, I I know all about that nasty ass feeling, where you know the better competitors are, leave you behind. 
Who's, so, who's, who's the school I, that doesn't I, have I a... Hate it for, I hate it for Washington State and Oregon State. I don't know anybody that went there or anything else. I've just seen this happen. You know, I've just seen this before. What What is the... Uh, who's, who's the who's the school that... Uh, it's a thousand miles from their their, uh, their closest rivals, Virginia Tech or Vir- West Virginia. West Virginia. West, but now that Cincinnati is in the uh, the Big Twelve, uh, they have they do have a closer rival. Okay, <laughs> they got West, one. No, they. Yeah, I mean that they they before it was you know West Virginia, and then the closest schools were I guess hell I guess the closest school was Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Well, I, I think you know, they're the, just off there to the right. Um, the idea, and, I, and you know, now you know now West Virginia versus Arizona State is going to be a conference game next year. That's that's unbelievable. I know. So, well, you know what? They're gonna they're basically shooting themselves in the foot. Well, you because fewer and fewer people are going to give a crap if it's and, all if it if it's all. I mean, how do you look at it? You and I remember people going to the games, having it be a big deal. I mean, I mean yeah. Notre Dame doesn't play Purdue anymore. That was their number one rivalry, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, not number one, but them, them or Michigan oh, State. And, and if Notre if Notre Dame gets sucked into a conference at some point because the economics just dictate that, you guys are going to end up not playing schools that you that you traditionally play. Well, they they sort of are yeah, a conference. And, they're they're in the they're sort of are in a conference. They're in the yeah they get they they have a they have the best relationship they have the best of all worlds right now. Mm. No, they do all their, they 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 get their own independent football deal, so they get more money from football, and then they get to split all the other stuff with the ACC. Well, yeah, except tell me that tell me that's not well the the, the hockey tell me, team. T- tell me tell me Michigan or Ohio State. Wouldn't love to have their own football contract and then do everything else within the Big Ten. Well, because they, for basketball, they ought to be in the Big East. Yeah. And and for, and no, for, they yeah they ought to be in the Big East for football. Yeah. They they end up playing five teams in the ACC, so that's what cut out Michigan State, Purdue, and everybody else. Yeah. Right. So and now the and then all your other teams, your baseball and all the other kind of stuff. Uh, Instead of taking the bus to Purdue or Michigan State, they got to fly to North Carolina to play baseball or somebody, and those guys are a lot better. So I mean, it's it, it works in some ways. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. In, I mean, and the hockey team is in the Big Ten because there is no hockey in the ACC. So I mean, they're all over the place. Uh, well, what what I was really and and we're man, we've really gone down the rabbit hole. I really promise, I only wanted to do a few seconds of this, but well, we're starting um, jacks. What I, the the last thing that I really was hoping would happen was that Stanford and Notre Dame would go into the Big Ten. Um, that, 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 you know, everybody goes in in pairs, and I really, I thought that would be, you know, that, that would just make a lot of sense because they already have, they already had four other West Coast teams. They could add Stanford as the fifth, and Stanford's a great Notre Dame rival, so, and a very similar school in my mind. So I, I thought that would make I, sense, but I think there's a when yeah. he's, I think the the buyout to leave the ACC is humongous. I don't know if it's the same for Notre Dame, but I, I know it's I know it is huge for everybody else. Um, they're all kind of yeah. well, while we're on the subject, and we have a few more minutes, we might as well spend the whole half hour on sports because we are stacks and chops. Uh-huh. 
It's, it's the one wanna, area of sports I can talk about. Uh, <laughs> I'm still absolutely convinced. And again, yeah. I'll, I, I will not. I will get nowhere with this argument any any place. I, nobody nobody once has begun to agree with me. I think a real lot of schools are not going to buy in to where I think this name, image, likeness crap is all gone. I think there's going to be schools that have rich football traditions that say, no mass. We're not going to have a whole department bidding on people coming through the portal all year. This is not what we set up to do. And and I Mm -hmm. think you're going to end up with, you know, 32 teams that are all into this, essentially the pro system and, and bidding for people. And I think the rest of them are going to say no. And I'll admit my numbers are probably off, but I'm, I'm trying to look out 10, 20 years. I don't, I don't see Northwestern. I don't see Notre Dame's all in right now, but after a period of time, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think a girl here in the office, Ariel, big Wisconsin fan, she goes, I'm not so sure they're into it either. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, Indiana's into it, certainly mm-hmm. on a football side. I think a lot. I don't think Boston College is into it. Where every single guy you got to bid for, and that nobody even cares about high school kids anymore. And I think you're going to end up with all kinds of stuff like we saw on the trading floor, Russell. If I have a school where I constantly recruit these high school kids, coach them for two years, and somebody steals them, I'm going to want to get paid for it. I, I sign them up. See, for that's four- what that, that's what I think is going to happen with the non-power five schools. Is that anybody that's worth a damn in a power five school? But, Memphis has a quarterback who who I believe is going to stay. Uh, he's a three year starter, and you know he, he's a grown up. He's you know he he I know he's not playing to the highest of competitions, but it, he when I say he's a grown up, I think he's already graduated and working on his master's degree, and uh, just has a lot of maturity there. Uh, I I was scared to death he was going to move on to a power five school for his final season to try and get some better attention and maybe go for the NFL and if that were to happen you would think that there would need to be some sort of compensation to so Memphis, I, to know, Memphis. I, I totally agree with you and then you know over in in the UK and over in like Premier League soccer the better team the better teams if they have somebody that's kind of junior that, that wouldn't play every day for them they'll lend them out to other, you know, to lower tier school, to, to lower tier team. And, you know, it, it, I guess it's just a matter of time before University of Memphis becomes a farm team for Tennessee. Well, that's the, the, the interesting part about, yeah. I've always found about, not the, not the economics that, that Hal does, which I'm not disparaging at all because he's way smarter at it than me because he's much more math oriented. You know, the econometrics and those kinds of things that he does. I've been much more of a when I took Friedman, I liked that stuff and I liked monetary mm-hmm. theory, but I was absolutely fascinated by the behavioral economics from George Stigler, where you could actually predict just on where the money flows go, you can predict the future because you know people. You can't you can't put a timing on it, you can't say this year the you know, GDP is gonna be this or that and the other, you can't trade on it, but it's but it but it is it is somewhat fascinating. And I just know that Somewhere along the line here, if it's, it's going to be like uh, non-compete causes on the trading floor. If I'm going to train you, and I'm going to go to your house and tell your parents what a great kid you are, when you're, even if you're not, and I'm going to take them out to dinner and wine and dine the group and 
and I'm coming here on a jet, and I'm coming here twice, and I'm bringing you to the school. And oh, by the way, the first year it's seventy grand, and the second year seventy grand, and then all of a sudden you say, you know, Notre Dame's on the line; they're going to pay me two hundred grand. You're not leaving for, without anything. And you know what was? Uh, it all comes with the price, Russ. I mean, I'm a little older than you. When I when I was young, real young, and I went to the University of Chicago. Like I said, I've said it all the time, but the total cost of my education was six grand. I'm going to maybe 6500 two years. Now one class is what, seven? Anyway, but in, yeah. in those days, Russell could have started at Allied Vienna Lines, for God's sake, where I started. You said you wanted to go to grad school at night, or you, you probably were too young to get the executive program. They just paid it. They didn't give a crap. That, that was just a perk. They paid it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's eight grand. It's 10 grand. It's 15 grand. And then they go, wait a minute. <laughs> If you leave within a year after you graduate, you owe us half of it back, or you owe us a third of it back. And when it got to seventy grand, nobody's giving that to somebody, and the next day they can walk out. It it doesn't happen. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. still does. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about everybody, but I'm going to say the the number dictates that. If if I'm going to give somebody two years of serious training, and in, in, in summer school, and you know, individual people teaching them how to play quarterback. And you leave after two years, when now you just get good enough to play here. I want something. How how could you not? No, I, I mean no, I totally agree with you. I mean, how how that works out? I'm not smart enough to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it's it's just like if anybody's ever gone to uh, one of these. Uh, well, you don't have this this, this problem. Well, you you know from being in Chicago, did you ever go see like the Crestwood team or the guys out in Schaumburg baseball teams or the real cats? Oh in yeah, here? yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. Okay, yeah. well now those guys. I think hold tryouts constantly. They get somebody they think is decent enough, put them on their team, and I think they have pretty good coaching. And every year they lose, in a good year, I'll pick a number, four or five people to the major leagues. You know, to a, to a minor league contract somewhere. I'll, I'll bet they have to buy that contract from those guys. It's probably not much, but mm-hmm. th- that guy's going to be compensated somewhat for having the tryouts, having the stuff. It's probably, it's probably not a hundred grand, but it might be five. I wish I knew. I'm actually one of those guys on here, but it's not free. You got a contract. You got to buy it, right? Yeah. I mean, why should it be free? The guy went out no, and doesn't. found the dude for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't be a million dollars, or you shouldn't have to pay him half the guy's salary going forward. It should forward. be reasonable. Yeah. It shouldn't be free. Yeah, but why should it be free? I mean, there's a service there, right? I mean, yeah. anyway, so we're going to go to break. Come back. Let's talk about uh, your thoughts on Charlie Munger, uh, your, your thoughts on. Oh. Uh, uh, GM now happy as a clam they can buy stock back and I want your opinions on buying stock back I've already given mine and uh, also talk about the Fed is, is totally stopped fighting inflation in my opinion see how screwed up I am SP Futures up 24 NASDAQ Futures up 110 be right back how much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
investing ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right uh, creeping up, and I think we're, we're probably going to creep up for a bit. Dow futures up 137. Yesterday, a big day in gold. Uh, flew up yesterday. Today, it's uh, well, it's up a little bit. We'll get to that in a second. But a real big day, which uh, I'm kind of surprised. I've been waiting for it, but I didn't expect it to happen in one day like that. The DAX up 180. That's 1.1%. Um, a lot of auto companies are up today because General Motors is going to start buying their stock back. And all of a sudden, because obviously the uh, and plus German inflation allegedly eases. So the DAX is up 1%. FTSE, however, is down a buck. Call that flat. Kakaron up is up 42.6%. So mostly the upside there, except for the FTSE. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 87. That's, that's 0.2%. But the big news is Hang Seng down 360. That's 2%. Under 17,000, 16,993. And we're going to for sure get Russell's thoughts on this. Shanghai down 16. Uh, heading down toward its 3,000 number again, 3,021. Interesting if they, they close under 3,000 this week. Uh, U.S. yesterday, Dow was up 83, S&P up 4, NASDAQ up 40, so up but very slow. Bands down 3 basis points, 4.30, so nowhere near the 5% 5, 5 number it was a few weeks ago. Uh, Bund down 5 basis points, 
Japan, this is a big move down eight basis points, 0.67. Oil, up a dollar 23, 77.64. Rent up a buck 11, 82.79. Natural gas unchanged, 283. Arbob up two cents, 225. Gold, which had a big rally yesterday, is up 340 today, 2043. Silver up five cents, 24.99. But there was a 5% move in the GDX, which is the gold miners yesterday, which I've kind of been waiting for. Uh, if it starts to move up, I guess I, I could say that I was right, but boy, I was really early. A uh, copper unchanged, 380. Uh, Bitcoin uh, down 39 bucks, 38,184. And we've got the U.S. dollar up just a little bit, but virtually unchanged, with the euro at 109.8 and the British pound at 126.9. Uh, Andrew, what do you have for us, Travis Weather Sports? All right, it is 7:38 here in Chicago on Wednesday, November 29th. Starting off with just a little bit of sports with some hockey. Uh, the Blackhawks at one over the Krakens, four to three, and the Coyotes won over the Lightnings, three to one. Over to some weather currently in Chicago, it is 25 degrees. We're going to have sunny skies today, and hopefully it'll stick around all throughout the day. We're going to have a high of 41, and that's going to hit around 2 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they are currently at 52 degrees. They have clear skies as well. They're going to have a high of 72, and that's going to hit around 4 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic. Looks like a lot more in the red than our first hour. I uh, got a uh, accident to report that's on the inbound Kennedy. Looks like it's uh, right before Addison Street. Uh, expect delays up to 30 minutes around that area. And looks like a, a, an accident just appeared on the um, inbound Eisenhower that is right before 17th Avenue that is blocking the two right lanes. Uh, so it looks like uh, traffic is heavy on both the inbound and the outbound for the uh, Kennedy and the Eisenhower. Stevenson and the coming in from the south are looking a little bit better than that, but still not too great. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, Russell, uh, real quick, uh, Charlie Munger. Yeah. I think he was the smart one. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I like think he was, too, but I, I don't know if he was the smart one. I thought I, they kind of complimented each other. I, 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 I worked um, probably the most success I had hedge fund-wise um, was down in Atlanta in the late 90s. Um, and the fund, it, the fund did okay, and then I don't. I I showed up and I was the number two guy for about four years, and we knocked the freaking cover off the ball. And I didn't want to stay in Atlanta. I wanted to move to Chicago, blah blah. So and got a different job up here. And after I left, they they just kind of went right back to okay performance, but not knocking the cover off the ball. And I really think it. it, you know, it, it I've had people say, well, you must have been the person that was responsible. No, it was the way that guy and I worked together because I didn't transfer that success elsewhere either. So I, I feel like uh, Buffett without Munger or Munger without Buffett would be pretty solid guys, but I, I think the pairing of them is really what the huge success behind Berkshire was. I always had the feeling you and I could be a pretty good team. We could be. We'd fight. It'd be fun. But they... I, 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 miss, I miss Hedge Fund World where I threw things and was a completely different person. Well, they, I was reading last night up, up on him, and obviously for the show, but also my own education. Mm-hmm. It said he, he, he changed uh, Buffett's strategy from Buffett before was always looking to buy the place on the, on the almost going out of business and getting a huge discount. Yeah. And, and Munger yeah. turned that thought press around and said, look, let's just buy really good companies that maybe are just a little cheap instead of looking for the one that was... Maybe maybe we save them. Maybe he goes. I I didn't really want to spend money at places where the first two weeks I wonder if they were going out of business. 
just a different yeah. a different time on that. I mean, because Buffett, you know, he went in and he saved uh, was it Goldman or one of those places? But he got, he got places absolutely on the on the you know when they're one one scrape off the grave, and that was his because he always had money when nobody else did. But Munger mm-hmm. said, no, let's let's stop doing that. Let's just find a place that has really good fundamentals, really good growth potential, and maybe they're a little cheap because people are undervaluing them. And let's just let's just do that instead of waiting for you know, to catch the falling knife all the time. So uh, that was the change in his strategy, evidently, that he orchestrated, allegedly, according to this one article I was reading. So mm-hmm. just a little difference no, in I style. No, think, I think you're, de- you know, I, 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 wrote the, I wrote the study guide that goes along with the Warren Buffett way, so I had to really immerse myself in, in all of that stuff. And I am writing a Buffett book right now, which, which, Charlie passing away yesterday kind of lit a fire under me. I better get that thing written quickly, um, or you know, just to make sure Buffett's around when I finish it. Um, but so I, I think you're. I, I think the way you just stated it was pretty darn accurate. That's, that's how they work together, and that Buffett really was deep, deep, deep value, uh, like in the Ben Graham school of things. I mean, that's why he bought uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Um, you know, it was a textile company that was about to go out of business. Yeah. Well, they, they did. Made, they fact, made shirts. In fact, the book, the book, I'm, the book I'm writing is about uh, every time that Berkshire sells stuff. And I did a, I do a chapter about him holding on too long in a couple of cases. And that's one right there was uh, the, the core business of Berkshire Hathaway. And I actually think they felt some guilt behind, um, you know, Putting everybody out on the street, which is what they eventually had to do. Well, I remember back, you know, when when people it was totally different world. I mean, I mean now, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing going on today, so you know, I can wear sweats to work basically. Uh, yeah. But I mean, when I, when I was at Allied Van Lines and at Pullman, I wore a suit every day. I mean, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have, at Pullman. You could wear a sport coat, and then, you know, once you got there, you took it off. But the uh, but you were expected if you know people came from the outside consultants. I mean, you were dressed like they were. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think Hathaway was a serious men's dress shirt, wasn't it? I, I know they sold it at Littons and at those kinds of places, Rothschilds, all those 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 kinds of men's stores. I mean, there were all kinds of men's stores around because everybody had to be dressed up. Littons, yeah. I mean, are you, you yeah, know, and, I, and I, I'm sure the the trend part, yeah, the the fashion trend part didn't help them much either. Cause they made pretty high end stuff. What uh, I don't know if you listened earlier. What did you think of my assessment of where the Fed is going here? And I, I I'm worried. Really, from 2000 on, I've seen this Fed policy, but really since 2008 on, where we constantly, over a long period of time, dribble more money in the system, more than the growth rate of the of the economy, and we constantly reward asset holders versus other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I, I think, and I've been wrong for a long time, that there's an end to the, there's an end of the day on that. There's there's a cliff in that road, and yet somebody who has just been following the world since 2000, a lot younger than me, why would they believe me for a second? It seems like we can do this forever. I don't, you know what? Why would somebody that had only been following the world for 10 years in 1929 think it was going to come to an end? Okay, but it's the same you... thing. It, it, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's the you know the, the recency bias, and uh, you know, if that's if if all you've ever known is getting bailed out, uh, 
and you, you just think that's going to continue to happen. But I, I think there. That, to, that, and, and you mentioned Hang Singh, and, and I, I know I'm taking a left on you. Go ahead, go right ahead. That, that, that's, that's been the issue in China, is when, that, that there's a belief that if you're an average Chinese citizen, there is a belief that you uh, will get bailed out by the government, and the government will take care of you if, uh, you know, if you make some bad decisions financially. And that, you know, so everybody has been, you know, everybody piled, piled into unfinished housing. And now the government's, the government doesn't have the ability to bail everybody out over there. Um, because they're, because the business of China, uh, basically closed down for a while and really has never recovered. Well, we have. So there, there, that mentality is more direct over there. I don't know it. I think the mentality here would be, oh yeah, the stock market's always going to come back. I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna say, Russell, is I, I try to read, and I really got a, a, a awakening about the 20s with that uh, book, uh, Freedom from Fear, of William Kennedy, about how many people in the economy were in a depression slash recession, the entire time other people were just going to the moon on the markets and the innovations and stuff, um, very similar to now, but. This time, how can I say this? Our guys are better at it. We don't we don't just pour money into our system. We make sure the European Central Bank, the Japan Bank, we make sure there's there's like a coordinated fleecing of the world population, not just we're doing it. You know, we're going to run our interest rates way down, which means the dollar is going to go to zero, and uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not doing that. So, but if you were to ask somebody. Um, we're running the value of the dollar down over the last, I'll say, 16 years since 2007. People are going to say, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. We're at the same place, or maybe we're even higher compared to the euro. Same thing with the, with the, uh, the yen. Same thing with the, uh, you know, whatever. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the value of the dollar versus your used car. I mean... It, yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody understands what I'm talking about except you and a few other people on the show, and maybe so. Nobody. Nobody gets it. It's not. It's not about, um, you know, the value of the dollar versus the euro. It's the value of the dollar versus the house I'm trying to buy that's now twice as expensive it was in 2007. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 the house I is think, not. I, I think more and more people are catching on to that one. But not enough to. I think the Fed is going right back to the. Pre-COVID, they're not going to put another forty percent in, but they're going right back to. Three, but I, I just went to the money supply earlier. By the way, they're starting to kick kick it out weekly again. Did you see that? I did. I did see that. But now we, we are we are actually higher than we were last April. That's not a way to fight a massive price bubble in inflation. That's not how you get there. Mm-hmm. And and. and yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean. Right now, the, the guy has floated the last three press conferences. Mm-hmm. We're not going to fight the price bubble. We're going to. Our goal is going to be two percent. But if we're above it for a while, so what? It's still our goal. We'll get there eventually, and that's where we are. And and that mm-hmm. is a whole different uh, program than he spouted six months ago. That we're going to make sure this is under two. We know it's hurting people. I think they're they're they think people have accepted it and they're okay with it. The fact that people will never be able to afford a car. How many people came in? The fact that there's homeless all over the damn place because somebody could, nobody could afford an apartment. Uh, they're okay with it somehow. Yeah, and and you know we 
consumers, we, we, we reinforce that thinking when we have a record amount of spending on Black Friday. Yeah. You know, why, why, should, you know, why, why should the Fed uh, alter anything or do anything differently when they see such robust consumer activity? If the, consumer, if the consumers continues to support the economy and continue, continues to spend, then if you're, you know, if you're one of the guys in the White Tower on the, you know, that makes the Fed decisions, um, and you see that, you're like, well, everybody is accepting it because they're continuing to spend money. Well, why do you, when you look at those, those numbers, and well, if you listen to CNBC, everybody's gushing about this stuff, and then a, a month later you hear that. Oh, by the way, Home Depot is actually down for the quarter, or, or, or Walmart, where the guy says, you know, uh, we're actually revenue's down, and we're seeing the consumer hit a wall. Why? Didn't, I mean, nobody believes those guys, and yet they'll pull one, one number out that online sales on Black Friday were, were higher than last we're, year. Yeah, record sales or whatever. But they yeah, were online. Well, I don't, you I don't know think. What? You know, my my cardigans are also twenty five percent more expensive than they were. But I I don't think the numbers on yeah. actual sales are in yet. It's the online part, right? It is the online part, and, the, and I don't. I don't think. I mean, I, I. I saw. I saw. You know, opening up a Best Buy on Black Friday, where like three people were walking in the door. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. It wasn't the kind of stuff that we'd seen in the past. I don't even remember. I, I don't watch the regular old news much anymore, but I don't even remember seeing. You know, the traditional. Uh, people killing each other at Walmart for the refurbished TV that cost two hundred ninety nine bucks. I don't think anybody and opened it. I, I don't. I, I don't. I, now I do know that. Um, now I'm out in the western suburbs, and we've got a big outlet mall, and they actually had to, uh, they had to shut off some traffic lanes and stuff because traffic was so bad going to the outlet mall. Well, I, I don't think anybody on, opened on Black it. Friday. Did anybody open at uh, midnight the night before? I don't think anybody did. Did they? I don't think as much of that goes on as used to. I don't think the, I don't think the Orleans police want any part of that place open at midnight the night before. No. With all the crap going Absolutely. on, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, and you know, and that is that maybe another part of it is you know nothing, nothing good ever happens after midnight, um, and and I that that's what my dad said, and and he said that fifty years ago, and I I, I think that statement is even truer than it used to be. Let me let me ask you a really and stupid pe- question. People, people might not want to be out. When you at, at night like that, when you hear about all the crap going on in the world, I hadn't thought about that part. But I have a real stupid sense. question for you: If I get my mm-hmm. Black Friday sales notice from, mm-hmm. say, LL Bean two weeks before Black Friday, and I pop in there and I grab a a, a T-shirt or something, is that considered a Black Friday sale or no? I don't know. I really don't know if you because uh, you know I I I didn't get the ads. For weeks about early Black Friday sales, etc. Yeah, why? Why um, would possess I me? Know. I don't know what. Ca- I don't know what counts. What would, would possess me if I actually wanted? I mean, plus now the inventories these guys buy—they're much, I'm going to say, smarter, but leaner than they used to be. If 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 I want something in my size, I better get it early. I mean, if I you know, because otherwise, two weeks now all the talls will be gone, right? If the ones that are on sale. But my point is is. I, now you have a Black Friday event going for a friggin' month. If I didn't, if I did it any other day but Friday, it doesn't count. What, what does it count as? I don't know. Holiday sales. 
just holiday sales in general. But but, but do holiday sales? You know, typically holiday sales started the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So have uh, we extended? Have we extended that time frame? I we probably have. I just don't know how November? it's counted. But now, if, if you buy something, yeah. I'll bet I got my first Black Friday notification. Got to be November first. Oh yeah, right after Thanksgiving or right after Halloween, of yeah. course. I you know I don't I don't know how that all counts, but I think it's one of those it's one of those things. And it's kind of my my weirdo theme that you you pick out the statistic that you want to show people, and if it's the online statistic that's up, that's all you talk about. Whether the whole day's down, I can't I can't believe that the store number is the same when people used to wait outside all night. No, it can't be. It, it just absolutely can't be. Well, the traffic has to be uh, down. Whether the prices have absorbed. And we're going to get the PCE number this week. Does anybody in academia know what that what, what the detail is behind that number, or is it just? Yeah, that's we do. We talk. We talk. I, I I wrote something over the weekend about it. How do you get the detail? Um, Carl can't even find it. Oh, I, not about the detail part, but just about how supposedly it's uh, what they're paying attention. You know what the Fed's paying attention to. I know. But I don't I mean, know why it. I don't know why it's considered their favorite inflation indicator because it's no better than the other ones. But you and I can we can dig up the CPI. And yeah, one, we know what's behind it. We we know no matter even if we think it's a lie, we could at least find the line that we think is a lie because because there'll be the line for. Brown rice, the, the the you know the line for white rice, jasmine rice. The detail is like, it's like reading an anatomy book for God's sake. Where yeah. the PCE, they just give you out the number. We have no idea what they're talking about. Who it's even does it? Yeah. I mean, who even does it? Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I don't think they do the PCE, do they? I could have sworn when I was looking at it this weekend that. <laughs> Because they do the CPI, they, they do the CPI. Why would they do? I mean, I don't, why would they do both of them? Um, let's see, PCE inflation uh, that comes from the uh, oh, that's the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA. Every hell are they? I don't know. How do we, how do we get one of the, how do we get one of these bureaus? Why don't we get one of these bureaus? They're part of they're part of the Department of Commerce. Well, why don't we get one of these bureaus? Uh, Say where's we're, the uh, where's the the Department of the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're out of the Labor Department. Right, so, so why, why can't we get hired by one of these people, tell them we're working for oh. home, from home, never see anybody, lob in a few numbers when they when they ask about it, and still have our regular jobs and have another whole salary with a government pension? That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I, how do they know I, if you're working I, or unfortunately, not? Unfortunately, we started out in the wrong direction on that. Yeah, we did, we did. We're uh, You and I have not... Um, Oh, I, I, we have a few questions, a few minutes. I, very briefly, uh, we talked yesterday quite a bit about, with Brandon more than anybody, the idea that uh, a lot of people, because of all these programs and stuff, maybe not, I'm not going to say it's a cause and effect, we have a whole chunk of the society that doesn't appear to really want to work. Or or if 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 they want to be, you know, they want to sit behind a computer and do something. You could have a, a sign on the street. We'll pay you two hundred dollars an hour to paint a house. Would never even think about it. So whatever you want to cause it, but the, the bottom line is, in the last twenty years, we've gone from sixty-seven percent of the available labor force working down to like sixty-two. And this article was a Wall Street Journal article. The point is, if you go much lower than that, the math doesn't work. You just you just can't have 
so many people that aren't working. I'm not, you know, calling people lazy. Because it, it, it number starts to drop much more. I mean, I'm kind of stunned. You're not, well, you're still in Chicago a lot, but the vitriol regarding the the migrants to me, I mean, I, you know, people are always going to bitch about something. But the idea of, of the, the groups that are bitching saying they're going to get money that we should get, it's like it's like the share of the government dole that the, the, they don't want these. They don't want anybody else. Get, I, I I'm really. I guess I shouldn't be stunned at that, Russell, but I am. Well, but you know what? I I can see that argument because roundabout way that you know the the people that that were here already should have been contributing to um, you know to. to some of the government revenues, one way or another. Now, I, yeah. I, I know that I, I know there are numbers out there that half of people don't pay any income tax, but you still pay sales taxes uh, and any kind, any other kind of purchases you do. Does does some of it goes back to the the government? Uh, but I, I can understand. Uh, you know, I've been here my whole life, and somebody else shows up, and they get uh, not even equivalent, but better benefits out of the government. Um, you know that that one would make my head explode. In uh, California, uh, you know, immigrants are treated better than you know they get better treatment than than people that were in the military get from the VA. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's tee that one up that's next a, that's week. That's a freaking shame. Oh yeah, let's let's tee that one up next week because it it Absolutely. really goes up and down the whole thing. Uh, I actually have a book that I think fell victim to flood my mother's basement. It was. Like welfare is not not only for the rich, and the whole book was about how most of the welfare is middle and upper class. Welfare, baby. What? I mean, it's, cor- corporations too. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll talk about it. You have a good one, buddy. Uh, didn't even ask you. Uh, how was the weekend with the with the blind pooch? Well, she was great. Uh, she uh, first snowfall uh, for for that dog since uh, since she uh, unfortunately lost her eyes. And she had a freaking field day running around in the snow. Wow! That was the most active I've seen that dog. So, Good. Uh, either either she was having a complete freak out or having fun. I couldn't tell, but <laughs> I'm going to go with fun. <laughs> Take care, bud. SP Peters <laughs> up 22. The SP Peters up. Are you going to the game? Indianapolis, Michigan, uh, Iowa? Uh, no, no. I will. I'm no. I will not be at the Michigan. I I didn't even know they were playing it in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, for but some reason is, they always play it there. But you know what? That that explains uh, something with respect to my hotel room later this week. Oh uh, yeah. There you go. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little bit. Of, well, I I was like, well, I guess something's going on. Yeah. There uh, you go. SB Futures up twenty one. SB Futures up ninety five. Back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. That's all, folks.